This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> Not too bad. How about you? Doing good. I, I thought about editing that out, but now the laughter won't make sense, so I'm not going to edit it out, so there you go. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I knew I was risking it with the laughter, but I couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of laughed, too, so we're good. But we've had a good well, week. I was like, you could cut this so I look like a complete maniac. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a, a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Our network is expanding some news about that that I can't tell you yet. But there is some exciting news on the horizon about the podcast network, and all of you just stay tuned, and you're going to love it. I know it. Older <laughs> milkshakes. But uh, we've got we've got some exciting things happening, and I, I know Mike is super pumped about it because, you know, you can imagine that. You can imagine Mike getting super pumped about something, can't you? Anyway, Don't so... What talking about, so... We have oh we have a, a new Twitter account for Retro Late Fee too by the way you can go to at Retro Late Fee on Twitter and find our Twitter account. Uh, Carol is doing some diary entries, so like every day she's going to do a diary entry from her 1994 diary <laughs> and put it not a live journal. Yeah, it's sort of like that. Yeah, and she's going to put it on Twitter. Uh, Retro Late Fee will be retweeting all that. And check out the episode that came out two days ago from when you're listening to this today from when we're recording this. We talked 1994's Stephen King's The Stand. Do you remember that movie, Mike? Yeah, I thought it was earlier than that even. I didn't realize it was only 94. Yeah, I remember it being better than it was when we watched it for six hours in a row. Why did you watch it for six hours in a row? Because we're sadists. Why? You watched it like three times back to back or possibly four? No, it's uh, it, it was a miniseries, so it, it aired over four nights. The stand, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, what the hell is, am I thinking of? Stand By Me is what I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, that was earlier. I think that was I'm like, why would you? Six. Yeah, I'm like, why the hell would you watch that that many times? <laughs> we just really love the stand. It's, we, we were, we were imitating the uh, Hollywood producers and uh, his wife. Uh, watching Uncle Buck for uh, oh, no. four times in a row. So we we watched Stand By Me four times in a row. I was going to say, I think watching The Stand all the way through is worse than watching Stand By Me four times in a row. Oh, for sure. It was... I mean, I don't like watching the same thing over and over, but I'd much rather see Stand By Me than uh, The Stand. Oh, my God, The Stand is not good. Not at all. I mean, not even remotely. I mean, first of all, you got that... Dumbass Norwegian fuck uh, playing uh, the deaf mute. Exactly, Bill. Or not the deaf himself. mute. Yeah, it's uh, his friend's the deaf mute. I forget his name. The big tall guy who can only spell M O O N. Yeah, that's right. So you know it's gonna be shit just to begin with if he's in it. I mean, have you seen a movie with that guy's in it? Like, oh yeah, this is gonna be good. Exactly. Well, you he know. was in a Hardy's commercial. <laughs> big Hardy. Yeah, the Scandinavians. He, he, he still gets Christmas cards from Craig T. Nelson. 
I'll bet he does. He was a pallbearer at Jerry Van Dyke's funeral. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Probably. I don't know if he actually was. I would imagine. Well, yeah, I would imagine he was. The right. The coffin was probably tilted a little since he's so much taller than everyone else. Right. Oh, news today. So I guess we will start with Bill Murray is going to, I know your favorite, is going to be in a new film that they've had a trailer for called The Dead Don't Die, which I, I know he was in Zombieland. Is this just... Is this the sequel to Zombieland? They thought they were doing a sequel to it. They are doing a sequel to Zombieland that he's not going to be in. This is something completely different. And I don't, it's, it's a, it's a zombie apocalypse in a small town movie. It seems a lot like Zombieland, which was it, which he I was, was in. I was the other day that there's not enough zombie movies. Yeah, exactly. Where, why isn't there more zombie related media? Right. The cast they got for this, I don't know how, but they got Bill Murray. So, you know, I know you don't like him that much, but they got Adam Driver from the Star Wars movies. Chloe Sevigny, I think that's how she spells her, or pronounces her Close name. enough. Sevigny, I, I don't know. I know you're talking about. And then Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, Caleb Landry-Jones, Rosie Perez, Iggy Pop, Sarah Driver, RZA, whoever that is. is that... The Rizza from the Wu-Tang Clan? How oh, dare it, you? Is that how he spells his name? Uh, yeah. Rizza. Selena. I have, a, uh, I have a dark secret involved with that. My uh, there's another guy in the uh, in the group called the Jizza GZA is how he spells his name. Okay. Uh, my boss at work, she also likes the Wu Tang Clan, but she uh, thinks his name is pronounced Giza. I sort of have the heart to correct her. <laughs> She's just like tell me about what a big fan he is. I'm like that's not even how you pronounce his name. <laughs> I think you've only read that name. <laughs> that's like. Like my friend Mark. <laughs> that's like the well, I've heard Rizza, but I actually I've never read his name. Like, I've heard the RZA and the JZA from the Wu-Tang Clan, although I am not an enormous Wu-Tang Clan fan or anything, obviously. But I've never... They're uh, coming I've, in town at the end of the month. I think you want to go. I, I'll, yeah, I'll go with you. I've never seen his name written, though. No, you won't. <laughs> but that's sort of like my friend that claimed that he was a huge fan of the band INXS. Why would anyone claim that? That's. I thought. I think it's funny because who, because who would lie about that? I think it's if funny. If you told me that, I wouldn't say like "fuck you." You are. Yeah, I think it's funny. One that he thought like that he thought in excess was was uh, was something to brag about, and two that he thought the band was INXS. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a bad combo. So Selena Gomez is also in this, as is Carol Kane, Austin Butler, Luca Sabat, and Tom Waits. Tom Waits is still alive. He was in that uh, that uh, Coen Brothers movie. You remember oh, the yeah. last ballad of Buster Scruggs? Yeah, that's right. I still don't quite know who he is. He was the one that was the gold miner. The, he was looking for. No, no, I mean I know I know who he played. I just I know he's like a musician, but I I know nothing about him. I hear his name, but I couldn't tell you one song he did. I think the thing I know mo- him most for is that he was the inspiration for Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. Wait, are you sure it's him or was it Nick Cave? 
No, it was uh, it was Tom Waits, I think. Oh, the voice. Isn't it the yeah. voice? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, there's some interview that he did where he he sounds a little unhinged, probably because he was on drugs and allegedly. And that's the he uh, Heath Ledger saw that interview and he said, "Oh, that's that's kind of the voice and the manner, like you know, that I want to do." Oh, I see. Yeah, I don't know. This uh, Tom Waits is like one of those people who I'm like, I don't understand how they're able to be full time like a celebrity. Like, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, he's been in like a sprinkling of movies from what I could tell. And I know, he, like I said, I know he's a musician, but clearly not like a super popular pop musician. So, I mean, right. how does he, as, uh, as you were once asked, uh, how does he survive? <laughs> yeah, my dad, my dad asked that of Ben. <laughs> oh, shout out to Ben, who somehow survived after uh, getting fired. God, my dad set him up for that. I'll tell that story real quick because I think that's a funny story. That's a pretty good story, yeah. My friend Ben came into town for my wedding, the unsuccessful one. And and I had told my dad... I feel that you should have said the first one instead of the unsuccessful one. That's true. Because there's some ambiguity to that. And uh, so I told my dad before that my friend Ben had been laid off and that's part of why he was able to come into town for the wedding. And he knew all this. He had all this information in his hand in his head. So when he met Ben for the first time at the wedding, he shook his hand. He said, Hey, uh, you know, how you doing? And, and he said, Oh, I'm doing good. And he says, what do you do out there for a uh, work in Vegas? <laughs> this is the second question. After how are you doing? And he said, Actually, what do you do? it was just burning. He had to just get it out. And he said, well, actually, sir, I uh, I just got laid off. And my dad just looked at him disgustedly and said, how do you survive? <laughs> I know that as soon as there was a twinkle in his eye when I told him that Ben got laid I can, off. I can see it from here. <laughs> yep. So I knew that he was just burning to ask that question. Oh. Okay. So. Yeah, he's one of those how do they survive uh, actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, maybe he's more famous than I'm aware of. Maybe he's wealthy from some other source. I think he had some hits in the 70s, maybe. But I'm not really familiar what he sings or what he sang either. So, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know who, like, maybe Scarlett Johansson or someone who's like that. Like some... Piper Paraboo, is that correct? Blake Lavely, like I don't really know who these people are. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them did like a whole album of like covers of Tom Waits songs. I, I just like I say, I've I've never heard Tom Waits song, and I have no burning desire to do so. I'm like a question for Ben. I don't have any uh, you know urgency to this. Right. Uh, another thing that I have no urgency for to see is Clown Nado. What? They the trailer I already know what this is about. Trailer number two has come out for the film Clown NATO. Which How did I miss trailer number one is what I wanna know. Which channels Sharknado but with clowns. <laughs> Would they just kill the clowns? I actually I think I'm gonna take back my previous statement. I kinda wanna see it. <laughs> is it on like sci-fi hopefully i believe it is a uh sci-fi channel original yeah i know yeah that, okay I'll, I'll see that then i know the asylum ha- has the 
the NATO franchise. Lockdown. <laughs> whatever they whatever they decide to call it, but because you know there's Sharknado and I don't know, there's others. Was anybody really watching Sharknado like near the end? I watched the very last one just because it was going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I didn't really watch any of the ones before that. And uh, it wasn't very good. Yeah, I I have never seen Sharknado, actually, or any of them. So, I don't know. Like, we, like tons and tons of cameos like in the later ones of the series. Like, Penn, Penn uh, Gillette on his podcast was talking about how he was, you know, there to shoot for a day and there are all these other like you know kind of like his level of like celebrities like there that are just we're all in the movie i guess huh interesting so clown nato centers on a group of cursed demonic circus clowns who set out on a vengeful massacre in order to accomplish this they naturally decide to use tornadoes what a stripper an elvis impersonator a truck driver a teen runaway and a random dude Get caught in the supernatural battle. Yeah, because the rest are perfectly orderly. <laughs> right. Get caught in the supernatural battle between Femme Fatale and the boss clown from hell. Okay. It stars... Is Lin- anyone of note in it? It stars Linnea Quigley. Are you, you're making that up. <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> I assume she plays the stripper? Or one of the clowns? Maybe, yeah, could be. She could be the head boss clown. Femme, she's probably femme fatale. Uh, uh, no one else that I've ever heard of is in it. Uh, Eileen Dietz. I'm surprised we've heard of Linnea Quigley. <laughs> right. That was just a random chance of that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna have to watch this trailer and see. Maybe, maybe we'll if it's on. If it's on, because I can't see if it's on. Oh, it is on Sci-Fi, I believe. Yeah. Yes. I, I, what else would it be on? Yeah, it's on Sci-Fi. I don't know when they don't have a release date yet, but it when it comes to sci when it comes on Sci-Fi, maybe we'll review it for the podcast. Would it be great when they try and uh, release it in the summer, and then you know every other fucking week there's gonna be like a major tornado, so they can't release it out of uh, sympathy for the victim. <laughs> oh, and then since it too is coming out, there also be a bunch of weird clown instances. Oh yeah. You know, like, there'll be, like, people, like, outside, like, elementary schools and shit again, or, like, you know, driving through drive throughs So we'll just never see this movie. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, some of those people that do that clown thing and go out and try to scare people get swept up by some tornadoes. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> clown NATO by accident. Here's the tagline for Clown NATO. It's about to get twisted. <laughs> oh, come on. You know there's going to be balloon animals now. <laughs> Oh my god. Clown NATO. Wow. Hey, is this the uh the new segment we're doing? Yes. Yeah. Um I you heard that Tim Conway passed away? Mm-hmm. I did, I heard that. Yeah, just I'm not on again, I I've seen him on stuff before. I he, he was dwarf, I believe. Yes, that's correct. I he- um couldn't I know he was on the Carol Burnett show, yeah. um, some other stuff? I assume. Carol Did Burnett's he, he probably what show? he's most famous know. for. I think Carol Burnett's probably what he's most famous for. It said he was on McHale's Navy too, actually, before that. Oh, the original, maybe. Yeah, I suppose that I I I didn't watch a lot of that one, the original one. Yeah, yeah, it didn't look very good whenever it was on. Oh but, yeah, so uh, 
like I said, I'm not a huge. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are grieving him. I just uh, barely know who he is. Another, I mean, him, I understand and how he uh, survives because you know he was in a lot oh, of shows not anymore years and years ago. But yeah. Well, how he survived. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was. I think he probably made a lot of money from the Carol Burnett show uh, during the yeah, made the decent residuals and shit back then so and that dwarf stuff i'm sure for whatever reason was really yeah. popular yeah i don't understand why but there are quite a few of those uh dwarf things i i have not i've only seen like a couple episodes of the carol burnett show so it's not like i was a huge tim conway fan or anything like that but obviously it's sad uh his his passing because it's sad when anyone dies but well almost anyone not when hitler died <laughs> I think we have to bring up Hitler every podcast at some point. I noticed you didn't say Stalin, though. No, no. St- Stalin, Stalin. it was sad when Stalin died because of all the murders that he did. Yeah, I love, I love, yeah. I, I think it was, was it Norm that was talking about all the people that Stalin killed and as opposed to how many people Hitler killed? Well, he jokes about that with Adam Egit. He claims that Egit always like brings up Stalin because there always is a person that does that. Yeah, definitely. They're absolutely correct, but I think uh, Hitler just had like the better marketing plan. Exactly. You know those uh, swastikas? That's branding. That's right. <laughs> oh, speaking of branding, the last, the last bit of news that I have is that M Night Shyamalan is working on a new sci-fi film. It's going to be a, a sci-fi. He has not done. I, we both liked Glass. And I believe we both we both like Unbreakable as well. Yep. But Glass did not get great. And, and shockingly, your wife uh, likes uh, The Happening, which I was blown away by when you uh, released that little nugget. Of- yeah, I just think I don't know. I don't know what. It's not like she has horrible taste. I mean, she married me, but it's not like she has horrible taste in other things. But there's just something about that movie that she likes. I don't understand it. It's it's definitely a fascinating movie, I'll give you that. But he has not done super well with sci-fi films in the past, uh, After Earth. I think he did that last Airbender movie. Would I, I don't know if that would be considered sci-fi, probably more I didn't fantasy. See <laughs> I don't know why that joke makes me laugh so much. I think it's just the casual way. That you dropped in. I didn't see the first one. So, of course, yeah. I didn't see the last Airbender. God, that cracks me up when you do that shit. Um, to be fair, I don't think uh, anybody saw the last Airbender. No, I agree. But, uh, so, I'm not sure what the movie's going to be about because there's no there's no plot synopsis or anything, but he's working on outlining it. He's outlining a new f- fun sci-fi bent. A fun film with a sci-fi uh, bent. Made glass and then retired. Yeah. I, glass I mean, was really good. I liked Glass. That'd be a good one to go out on. You know, like, oh, well, I finally concluded what I started with. Uh, this is a return to form. I uh, finance it myself, so I'm super wealthy now off this. So I'm done. Bye. Yeah. And he it got really bad reviews, apparently glass i don't know i, I mean i don't know those are people who saw the previous movies or 
have any sense whatsoever. Yeah, we don't. We we normally don't agree with critics anyway, which is part of the reason why we do this show, so that people can can hear real opinions from people that actually matter. Middle aged white men. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, now we'll go to uh, Educating Mike. Unless you've got more news. You got any more news? No. Okay. So, it's funny because people that you don't understand how they survive or why they're famous plays into Educating Mike. I feel there's a new segment in there somewhere. How do they survive? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we might be able able to make a segment out of that. Like uh, Tom Waits is like, if I went to like the grocery store and he was like, you know, behind the counter, I'd be like, oh hey, yes. I would be like, you, yes. you can't, you have to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so since we're doing Game of Thrones again, you know, this week, and no, well, spoilers, obviously, as always, spoilers throughout the spoilers entire episode everything. for Game of Thrones. Yeah. We're just going to start the uh, next episode off with spoilers. Uh, Daenerys was murdered. Boom. Right. Exactly. But anyway, so because it was there was so much disaster in this episode of Game of Thrones, I thought, let's do disaster movie. <laughs> the parody film from Friedberg and Seltzer, The Kings of Schlock. And Mike, have you seen disaster movie? Um, I'm aware of it. It's like one of those, like, uh, like when they would do, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, scary movie. Yeah. And then they eventually just went to, like, genres or something like that. Like, they just really, like, like how are how are there even enough current disaster movies to make an interesting parody sketch, let alone a 90-minute movie? Well, uh, we'll, we're about to find <laughs> out. out there are. We're about to find out, but I doubt they'll be interesting. This film stars a Kim Kardashian who was who I was referring to as to how does she survive? Why is she famous? But also Just like Hitler branding. Yeah, exactly. Superior branding. So in the year 1001 BC, a which I guess is that a 10,000 BC joke? That, that's I a, don't know. It's a joke about a Raquel Welch film from 1968. So I'm sure that really Actually, hit with the audience. There was a uh, there was another movie also called 10,000 BC. Um, it was like I don't think it did well at all in the movie theater. Like yeah, I don't even know what it was about. Was that the one that there was had uh, the the drummer from the Michael's, Beatles? Um, no, there. See, I, I'm gonna have to look this up because there are two movies that came out around the same same time. They might have both had similar names. One of them, I think, like it was like a comedy with like either Jack Black or Will Ferrell and I think Michael Sarah were in it. Oh yeah, Jack Black and Michael Sarah. I can't remember the name of that one, but yes, that was one that took place. I don't think it was called Ten Thousand BC, but it was something with BC or something. I don't know. But there was a movie with, like I said, it was like a like an epic tale about like uh, you know someone and they were like fighting like a Smilodon and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that. That is a reference. Go ahead and continue. I'll look it up and I'll I'll barge in whenever I find it out. Sounds good. A caveman runs away from a predator through a plane and through a plane and immediately gets into a fight with wolf. 
what the <laughs> did Freeberg and Seltzer write this Wikipedia plot? That that sentence <laughs> does not make sense in any way. In the year 10,001 um, BC, I'm sorry, gave, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. It, the movie was called 10,000 BC, and it was like an epic adventure film, which I don't think did very well. Oh, okay. In the year 10,001 BC, a caveman runs away from a predator through a plane, P-L-A-I-N, and immediately gets so I don't... Oh, okay. The When they say through a plane, they mean he's running across the plane? I or guess. through like a, a jet plane? I don't know. Well, it's spelled differently than that one. but Yeah, I don't know that I rely on the spelling... And immediately gets into fight a fight with Wolf. I, I don't know who that is, but apparently someone named Wolf. After defeating him, the caveman then encounters the Predator, a saber-toothed, gasoline-drinking Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah, I that, think that's definitely a reference to that 10,000 BC movie. Then that didn't uh, that that joke didn't didn't last very well after her death. Who informs no. him that the world will end? I think they played a clip at the funeral, <laughs> right? Who informs him that the world will end on August 29th, 2008, and that their fate lies in a crystal skull. <laughs> God. Jeez. Why, uh, why though? They, why? Just, like, they just like found out like the title of these movies and just threw it in there, I think. Exactly. The sequence is then revealed to be a dream of every man. <laughs> Literally every man. Will, will, just will. In the present day, he finds out that his girlfriend, Amy, played by uh, um, Vanessa Milenio. Okay. I don't know who that is. Is having an affair with Flava Flav. (laughs) And she breaks up with him because he is not admitting his true feelings for her. So this is a disaster movie in the fact that they're, like you said, just name checking other movies that have... So anything to do with disaster? Because Crystal Skull is not a disaster movie. Um, yeah, and you think, uh, reality you think shows. People who made this movie like uh, proudly brought like their you know significant others to the screening, you know, to see it for the first time. I have no idea. And how like awkward do you think? And how awkward do you think that conversation was on the drive home? Like, so, so, so did you like the movie? <laughs> I don't even know if if Friedberg and Seltzer are capable of being married or having a family. I feel like they were, they were hatched in, uh, in some nightmare dungeon to make terrible movies. And they, a place that's only going for the technically uh, good as in a profitable movie. Like, you know, they could get, an, there's enough idiots in the country that'll go and see these movies in the theaters. Unfortunately, this movie's budget was $20 million. It made $34.8 million. See, uh, later that day, Will has a super duper sweet 16 party. Yeah, this is just, it's disaster, but it's its reality TV. Yeah. Despite being 25 years old. The guests include Junie, uh, based on Juno, I'm guessing. Dr. Phil, Will's best friend. Probably actually played by Dr. Phil. Yeah. Will's best friend, Calvin. And Anton Shiger from No Country from Old Men. I mean, it's not actually him, but yeah, the, the he's just Anton Shiger among others. So those were the famous ones. Everyone else Jeez. is an also Rand. 
During the party, Amy arrives with her new boyfriend, a Calvin Klein. Sure. <laughs> You're right. A Calvin Klein underwear model. The party then comes to a halt when the room shakes and the lights go out. A bulletin on the radio claims there is a meteor shower and it is the end of the world. Okay. <laughs> That's quite quite succinct. Soon after, the city starts to freeze over, like in the day after tomorrow. So this movie was made in 2008, so that's a four-year-old reference at this point. Uh, And Will, Junie, Calvin, and Calvin's girlfriend, Lisa, played by Kim Kardashian, retreat to a garage for shelter. When Junie mentions that the calamities are caused by global warming, Will realizes his dream about Amy Winehouse could be related (laughs) When the world starts to end, he realizes that maybe his dream about the end of the world is related to the end of the world. Could be. Later, Will is chided by the others for not committing himself to his relationship with Amy. That's, that's a, I hate how they write these Wikipedia things. That's just a, just a weird little factoid to put at the end of this paragraph that leads to nothing. The gang leaves the garage and Will gets a call from Amy where he admits his feelings for her but the, before the call is dropped. He decides to go to rescue Amy. Lisa is later killed by a meteor. So that's Kim Kardashian. So I guess that's something good about the movie. Oh, it was actually was Kim Kardashian and she wasn't just like a character? Yeah, her name was Lisa and it was played by the actual Kim oh. Kardashian. Weird. While the others uh, comfort a distraught Calvin... Giselle from Enchanted, <laughs> goddamn, a prostitute climbs out of a manhole and gets hit by a taxi. So that's so that's just that's a joke. First of all, that sentence only exists in this in this plot summary to explain one of the jokes, and that joke is just based on seeing the trailer for the the 2007 film Enchanted. Yeah, probably. Calvin catches her, and they immediately fall in love with each other. Giselle's pimp, Prince Edwin, (laughs) challenges Calvin to a dance fight for her love. But apparently that's based on Step Up to the Streets. But a tornado... So, and the, the funny thing is, is it's not referencing Sharknado. It's referencing... The 1996 film Twister. Jeez. That is a pretty old reference. Appears and Prince Edwin escapes. Iron Man, <laughs> Hellboy, and the Hulk attempt to fight it. The, 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 the tornado? But are all... You know, def- one best supporting actor in uh, Twister. That's true. The wind. That's right. But all are defeated by cows thrown by the tornado. Awesome. After time, that scene's got to be great. After taking shelter, Will, Junie, Calvin, and Giselle encounter rabid knockoffs of Alvin the Chipmunks. Jeez. Who attack the Kang and kill Junie. The Chipmunks then go after Will and Calvin, but they trap them in a trash can, fatally suffocating them as they attempt to escape. Is that based on the Garbage Pail Kids? I don't know. On their way to the museum where Amy is trapped, the group runs into Batman, who informs them, what the fuck is this movie? 
who informs them that they must go to evacuation buses and there will be no chance of survival if they go to save Amy. With time against them, Princess Giselle kills Speed Racer and the group hijacks his Mach 5 to drive to the museum. What is even going on in this movie at this it's, point? It's like they just took a bunch of a bunch of pop culture shit, put it in a blender, and whatever came out yeah. is like that's what oh, I think I know who wrote this after all. Yeah, who who a certain gentleman who uh wrote a certain ready player one. Yeah, that's right. Uh what is his name? I can't think of his name off the top of my head now. But yeah, that dude. I don't know. References at the museum, they save Amy, who reveals that the crystal skull is the only thing that can stop the end of the world. We already knew that. Calvin and the princess then find that the museum doors are closed and all of the artifacts have come alive. Just like in Night at the Museum. Including Poe from Kung Fu Panda, who fights Calvin but is defeated. When Calvin makes out with the princess... Calvin accidentally pulls her wig and discovers she is actually a transvestite. (laughs) While this happens, Poe takes out a katana and kills Calvin and the princess. Great. Meanwhile, Will and Amy run into nude Beowulf. (laughs) They ran out of... What? They ran out of movies. And they no, just... Beowulf actually was a movie that came out around that time oh, with yeah. uh, Angelina Jolie yeah, as uh, right. his mother Grindel. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. I thought that they were just... I thought they... Yeah, far be it for me to think that they'd actually read a piece of literature. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. After Beowulf is defeated, Will and Amy encounter Indiana Jones. You know, we knew well, that was coming. Skull. Who is revealed to be Will's father. Indy tries to put the crystal skull on the altar, but he has an accident. They don't say what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe he pees his pants because, you know, Harrison Ford is getting to that age. Yeah, probably. Will does it instead, and he averts further destruction. The film ends with a wedding ceremony for Will and Amy being performed by the Guru Shitka. From the love guru? Oh, no. Oh, my God. The film ends with an extensive musical number all about all the characters dating each other, which sets off a chain ending with the chipmunks. Great. Okay. Uh, disaster movie was panned by critics. Shocked. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 1%. Jeez. The site's consensus reads, returning to their seemingly bottomless well of flatulence, humor, racial stereotypes, and stale (laughs) pop culture gags, Jason Freeberg and Aaron Seltzer have produced what is arguably their worst, quote, movie yet. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay, so... uh, Here's a couple reviews from... uh, from Disaster Movie. The fact that aspiring actors, directors, and writers can't find work while this crap is produced is absolutely appalling. <laughs> wow. The second review is titled, There's Just No Point Anymore. Jeez. <laughs> 
Is that a suicide letter slash review? Seriously? These, this movie is, is forcing people to kill themselves. My corpse will be the one hitting post reply. The, the, the third one said, just, just titled, My Eyes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. And this might be the this this might be this might be the best uh like the most apt title for any of the reviews. Wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, what is wrong with you Hollywood? That's the first line of that review. Nice. Oh, okay. So, Parents Guide. <laughs> Or disaster movie. Sex and nudity is moderate. Overall, the film has no female nudity, just cleavage, and only male bare bottom. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. They also say in the second sentence, this quote movie is nothing more than unfunny pop culture gags and stupid sex jokes. That's in the nudity section. Oh. A completely new... I don't feel that's nudity at all. <laughs> that's just your opinion. Pretty much. A completely nude young man is shown in a full frontal pose, but the area between knees and abdomen is pixelated out. Oh, God. So he's not shown, in other words. Correct. There is a lot in the sex and nudity for... Especially for it... At the beginning, saying overall the film has no female nudity. <laughs> the last one in, let's see. Oh, there apparently frequent full frontal male nudity. Quote or parentheses not in the PG thirteen version. Apparently, there's an a, there's a unrated version of this film with frequent full frontal male nudity. I think they call that the Andy Dick cut. <laughs> Uh, a comical penis biting scene, which is also not in the PG thirteen version. It's a reference to um, what's that movie? Lars von Trier something. Oh, Lars von Trier. So I'm. It's called. To... It's, it came out a few years ago. It's that's what that's a reference to. Willem Dafoe was in it. Uh... Antichrist, I think, was in it. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I think it's just called Antichrist, but I could be wrong. Uh, every time I think of that, or every every time I hear that word, I think of uh, Christopher Walken saying that, "The Antichrist." That's from a movie. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So, what were those movies called again? That's. Uh, oh yeah. Well, he was in. He was in. I the Rapture. Maybe? Yeah, something like that. But that line's actually from. Oh, the one that Quentin Tarantino wrote, but didn't true 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 romance. Because he says, do you know who I am? Because he's playing that mob guy. The Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, violence and gore. The film is a series of abruptly changing scenes of earthquakes, tornadoes, mass assassinations, pregnancy. What? Pre- is pregnancy violence and gore? <laughs> Childbirth and emergency situations, violent fistfights, female wrestling matches, multiple automatic gunshots, dismemberment, stabbings. Martial arts bouts, attacks by rabid chipmunks, and museum statues that become animated. 
and attacks by deranged superheroes. All right. Let's see. Alcohol and drugs. A pregnant teen pours a pint of vodka into a gallon of orange juice and chugs it at a party, saying it is time to get the baby drunk. What? (laughs) That's very dark. What the fuck? (laughs) A young woman takes a gallon of scotch out of her big hair too and chugs it. She does not seem affected by it. Why would she she choose scotch if she's going to chug it? Seriously. Song lyrics contain the phrase, hooked on reefer. What? (laughs) A young woman holds a cigar in her mouth briefly and a quick camera pan over her face. The cigar is unlit. Okay. Frightening and intense scenes. Was that a reference to the Clinton campaign? Right, apparently. Frightening and intense scenes. It says severe for frightening and intense scenes. Now, here's the the two items in here. A horrible film that wastes time. <laughs> Parentheses and money for theater goers. And then the most frightening part of the movie is its stupidity. <laughs> Considering how mind-numbingly horrible it is, do not watch this horrible movie. Watch something else. So apparently the frightening intense scenes that are severe is just uh, warnings from people from the parents' guide. Not to watch the movie. Oh, that is Disaster Movie. A movie I haven't seen, and I'm not going to... Not not even for you, podcast listeners, will I watch that movie. But I hear it's terrible. Doesn't sound good. So, now we will move on to Keeping Current with Mike. This is the segment of the show where we... Plumb the depths of some gossip column or, I don't know, something. Weekly World News website. Where are we going today, Mike? Well, I've uh, quickly realized that I don't really know a lot of different names of gossip magazines. So I'm kind of going back to one of the ones I've already gone to. It's uh, In Touch magazine. Oh, right. In Touch. A bunch of exclusives now. Yeah, a lot of exclusives. But uh, just keeping us all in touch because I know that's where we want to be current with Mike keeping. And uh, again, I've gone to the wrong website, so I'm trying to solve. <laughs> it's the is this the UK one, or is this a different one? This is the the it's in touch mag or something like that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's some kind of business. It seems like it's like a uh, I don't know. It, it's like a um, manufacturing company or something. Interesting, in touch manufacturing. We're in yeah, touch with what you need. All right, straight from the headlines. All right. Debunking the act. Gypsy Rose Blanche. Wait, what? Gypsy Rose Blanche what? Yeah, I cut off uh, like it, uh, my, my screen. Hold on, I have to move something. It's okay. Gypsy Rose Blanchard's family tells the true story of episode two. See, I know what that is about. Um, that's kind of like a kind of famous, uh, like true crime type thing, where um, this girl, like her mother, like basically told everybody she was years younger and was very sick. Are you familiar with this? No, I have never heard. I don't know what Gypsy. What is a Gypsy? Yeah, Rose? that was that was a girl. That was a girl's or a woman's name, Gypsy. 
Blanchard, like a, it was like a kind of like a, I think it's like the Van Munchausen kind of thing, where like the mother like basically treats the daughter as if she's sick, like even with medicines and stuff. Gotcha. And I think like the girl got like a boyfriend, like, maybe not. I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure she killed the mother. But it looks like it's like a movie about that. And I don't, I think I heard there was going to be a movie about this. Oh, it looks like it's on uh, Hulu, and I think it's a series because this is episode two. Okay, so the murder of D.D. Blanchard, that's what comes up. Late yeah, that sounds... on the night of August 14, 2015, sheriff's deputies in Greene County, Missouri, found the body of D.D. Blanchard, who was born May 3, 1967, in Louisiana, face down in the bedroom of her house just outside Springfield, lying on the bed in a pool of blood from the stab wounds inflicted several days earlier. There was no sign of her daughter, Gypsy, who, according to Blanchard, suffered from leukemia, asthma, muscular dystrophy, holy shit, along with several other chronic conditions and had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old due to brain damage she had suffered as a result of her premature birth. After reading troubling Facebook posts early in the evening, concerned neighbors notified the police, reporting that Dee may have fallen victim to foul play and that Gypsy Rose, whose wheelchair and medications were still in the house, may have been abducted. So, let's see, the following day they found her in Wisconsin from Missouri, damn. Gee, that's a drive. Where she had traveled with her boyfriend, Nicholas Goadjohn, whom she met online. Uh, Let's see, when investigators announced that she was actually an adult and suffered from none of the physical and mental health issues her mother had claimed, public outrage over the possible abduction of a severely disabled girl gave way to shock and some sympathy for Gypsy Rose. Yeah, I would say so. Further investigation found that some of the doctors who had examined Gypsy Rose had found no evidence of the claimed disorders. Uh, One physician suspected uh, Munchausen syndrome by proxy, a mental disorder where a patient or other caregiver exaggerates, fabricates, or induces illnesses in a person under their care to obtain sympathy or attention. Dee Dee had changed her name slightly after her family, who suspected she had poisoned her stepmother, (laughs) confronted uh, her about how she treated Gypsy Rose. Nonetheless, many people accepted her situation as true, and the two benefited from the efforts of charities such as Habitat for Humanity, Ronald McDonald House, and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Holy shit. So she psychologically abused her daughter, and her daughter killed her, I guess. Yes. Wow. But I think there was like some question about the... Uh... Whether, you know, how much her daughter was, like, involved, like, if she was fully, like, you know, not participating or if she was participating somewhat, you know? Right. Like, if she was, in fact, taking advantage of it. I mean, I I don't really know. I'm not super familiar with this specific case. But, yeah, I I actually know everything in that one. I was pretty surprised. Yeah. I I might actually watch that on Hulu now, honestly. It sounds interesting. Oh, can you you believe that we forgot to put in our news update that uh, Disney is uh, buying Hulu? Oh, I didn't read that. They are. Oh, uh, breaking news. Disney is buying Hulu. My finger is is firmly on the pulse. I saw this coming, though, because... I got that from Mark's news desk, actually, so it was him. I, but I, I, did, uh, I did see this coming because they owned a bit of Hulu anyway, and after they bought Fox, I think they had something like 40% or 30% of Hulu... And, yeah, I think like each network initially put up like a third, so I think they had like a third, and then now they're going to get um, uh, a third from Comcast, I think. Yeah, 
they already have controlling interests. They can, you know, do whatever they want. And yeah, and so I I I remember thinking when they bought Fox, why why they would do their Disney Plus thing? Why not just make why not just make Hulu their dis their Disney Plus? You know, buy it all and and make that. But I assume what they're going to do. I think what they'll probably do is they'll keep the Disney family friendly stuff over there, as well as some of the Marvel things in those kind of cinematic universes like Star Wars and things like that. And then I think on Hulu, they'll probably have a lot of the Fox properties that they bought, a lot of Fox properties that they own, like Aliens and and things like that, stuff that they wouldn't necessarily want on on their Disney Plus option. How long do you think it'll be until they start releasing major movies strictly on their platform? Like, you know, the next... Avengers level type movie is really solely on Disney Plus. Yeah, I think that's I think that's going to happen. I really do. I mean, how long? It's it's inevitable, I think. But how long do you think it's going to be? Five years? Less than that? I'd say I would say probably yeah, probably five five to ten. I think in the next five to ten years that will happen. As I mean, that's an, it's basically better than a movie because everyone pays say it's ten dollars a month. You know, you know, they just get a one month to watch that movie. Yep. You'll retain some of those people. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the way they go. And and like you said, it might be a little earlier depending on how many people get the Disney Plus service. If if not as many as they want start, you know, uh start signing up right away, then I think they they might I think they're going to start steering people towards it obviously, like right. Easter eggs or extra scenes on them at first like, "Oh, did you miss this?" post credit scene of uh, Fantastic Four? Well, here it is on uh, Disney. Yep, exactly. Or maybe they'll release like, a smaller character, you know, one that they don't have as much, you know, tied to, like, on that, you know, like, I don't, I'm not super familiar with. Howard the like, Duck. Maybe Falcon. The Falcon movie will be on uh, Disney+. Plus. Howard the Duck's the one that comes to mind because there's a lot of hardcore Howard the Duck fans out there. I for don't know why. Movie. It's... Is, are they fans of the comic or the something? Because the yeah. movie, the movie's not good. Yeah, the movie's terrible. But uh, but no, they're fans of the comic and they want a comic accurate Howard the Duck movie. That's what a lot of people are calling for, and they think that Disney can make it now that they have the the MCU. So that's one that comes to mind. I, I also think they're going to be is. doing a. You know, the ideas in the movie Howard the Duck weren't bad. It was just the execution and. And especially the costume was very bad. Yep, absolutely. Oh, Howard the it's Duck. Just an, it's just animate that if they're going to do it, because why would you even use, like, you know, prosthetics or anything for that? It's just dumb. Yeah, I agree. Oh, so what's the next thing with In Touch? Now that we derailed into some more movie news. Say cheese. That's a hashtag, by the way. Uh, Kate Goslin throws a braces off party for son Joel. See his new smile. Kate Goslin. So yeah, I'm familiar with it. That's like the lady who has like eight kids. Maybe Is I think John? so. Plus yeah, eight. yeah, yeah. The it's like John that. and Kate oh, plus eight, right? Yeah, they have like two twin girls, and like then they have like sex tuplets. Is that what they call when there's? Yeah, it's I think a little so. weird. I think it's like they have three boys and three. Because so my wife used to watch the show all the time, and like I had to watch it too, because you know I just happen to be around. Um, yeah, I know this. I don't. This lady's like not dating, or she's not married to that guy anymore. Um, I guess her son had braces, and then his smile is new after them. That nice. seems kind of ri- ridiculous. I mean, 
a party for like a braces off party? Is that really necessary? I don't think so. I mean, it's like a medical procedure. I mean, I mean, it's not like it's like a major one. I mean, right. I know they have like, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, I guess if you're like, if you learn how to walk again, that's like cell cause for celebration, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like if you were like, you thought you'd be paralyzed. Like, hey, look, I'm walking. Like, okay, we'll throw this guy a party, but you get your braces off and you get a party for that? Right. Oh. Okay. You got your appendix taken out. Let's throw you a party. Here's the was, Speaking of how do they survive... Here's a, good, here's a good subject. How the hell does this... I mean, did she make that much money off that TV show? Or is she she still have a TV show? I don't know. Is it like Kate plus eight now? Are you familiar with this at all, Mark? I've never watched it, but I think I think she did. Oh, you know what? It's... Yeah, she still does have a show. This show is still on the... How is this show still on the air? But it's still on the air still? Yeah, here's her filmography. Surviving sex, sex, Tuplets, and Twins, which was a one-hour special uh, in 2005. Then in 2006, Sex, Tuplets, and Twins, one year later. Then in 2007, she got that, the, they got that TV show, John and Kate Plus Eight, which became just slash Kate Plus Eight when they got divorced. And I, I feel like he, I, now I don't know if any of this is true. This is just stuff that I think I heard about this, but I think he cheated on her or for some reason he was some sort of like weird, creepy guy that uh, everyone started hating. That's why they were all on her uh, side. That's why just what the cameras want you to see though. Cause he probably had a better, you know, deal or better prospects with Kate plus eight rather than John visits his, uh, eight, eight <laughs> children. John, John plus a lot of alimony. Or well, kids, I was point. only able to get a one bedroom. <laughs> But they said the the filmography for this says 2007 to present. So wow, twelve yeah, years on this shit. I guess that's how she can. Uh, that's how she survives. Yeah, apparently she was also on Say Yes to the Dress, Dancing with the Stars, Celebrity Wife Swap. Oh, that's weird. I wonder who she swapped with. Kate plus eight sex tuplets turn ten, which was a two hour special. And The Apprentice. Why? Don't know. Okay. Uh, All right. She was on Celebrity Wife Swap. When she, was she, let's see when they got divorced. She got divorced in 2009. So shortly after the show started. So is she remarried? Who Who? Uh, who is she? I doubt it. I don't know. Though. Let's see. Uh, it does not, it does not look like she's remarried. I mean, who would marry a woman with eight children? Yeah, no kidding. Would you just uh, cross the country during the fucking Dust Bowl? Oh, my God. So I don't know what she was... For all our listeners out there with eight children that are single mothers, I apologize. Right. And for all you Dust Bowl survivors, we apologize too. You're probably dead. Oh, yeah. How do you survive? Well, you don't. Because the Dust Dust. Bowl was almost 100 years ago. Dust in the lungs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was in touch talking about? All right, I I don't really understand this one at all. Breaking Amish. I guess it's a TV show. Breaking star Amish. Jeremiah. And the star, the guy's name is hilarious. It's Jeremiah Raber. That's like such an Amish name. <laughs> well, this part's not so funny. He uh, reveals how Sun is doing after terrifying ATV accident. Oh God. I can't believe you laughed at that. Oh, 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, that kind of tragedy uh, in someone's life reminds me of that tragedy 9 11. Jeez. Now, don't laugh. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's too soon, I feel. Breaking Amish is an American reality television series on the TLC television network. So, yeah, I know the Amish, I assume it's just people getting out of the Amish lifestyle. I guess. And the fact that this guy has a backward hat on uh, shows me that he's very much out of the Amish life. <laughs> but like, this guy doesn't look very old. Uh, but I mean, I mean, I assume Amish people like get pregnant at like fifteen or something. Does that sound reasonable? Or sure. do they wait till they're eighteen? I don't know. What do they have to look forward to? They're just going to be a fucking farmer their entire life. Exactly. Might as well start fucking as soon as you can, huh? <laughs> Uh, apparently, this the series revolves around five young Anabaptist adults, four Amish and one Mennonite, who move. You think he's like an outcast to the rest of the group? <laughs> right. You ain't what real do you Amish. know? <laughs> you were able to use the phone. They move to New York City in order to experience a different life and decide whether to return to their communities or remain outside their communities and face p- potential ostracism by their family and friends. I'll tell you what, Jeremiah Raber must not have gone back to the community. I guess not. Earing in, and he's filming this with a cell phone, obviously. Oh, God. It says the cast member's move to New York City differs from Rumspringa, the rite of passage in which some 16-year-old Amish are allowed to experience the outside world and decide whether or not they wish to remain with their home communities. I don't know how. Were they not sixteen? I don't. I. I don't know how it differs from that. It sounds exactly like it. I don't know. That's. A, I have a sweet movie idea though. It's a. Uh, it makes no sense. It's called Rum Springer. Okay. It's about these Amish kids who have like the craziest night out ever. <laughs> but it's crazy by their standards. Okay. So it's like I held a woman's hand. It's like, but they just can't ever tell their family because it's like shameful their behavior. It's like a spring break parody, but uh, but yeah, it's all it's all understated stuff. Like, oh my god, I saw that girl's ankle. Yeah, so obviously the target market is also the Amish, <laughs> which, which makes no sense. <laughs> By the Amish, about the Amish, for the Amish. Oh, coming to a barn raising near you, moving pictures you know, that you scream at, or some might say graven images. That's right. Oh, their dolls have no faces. Jeez, do they really not? Yeah, that's something about vanity. That's somehow more terrifying than dolls with faces. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I think if I was like uh, going through Nebraska and I saw a a corn cross on one side and a doll with no face on the other side, (laughs) I'd go towards the corn. We both know that's not the correct decision in this case. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh. 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 Yeah, I've never heard of Breaking Amish. Uh, but fuck him. But I don't know how his son's doing. I assume he's okay because he's not in a hospital room. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. And he's wearing, like, a shirt, so he's not, like, you know, all serious. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, hopefully. We'll just assume that he's fine. But do you think he thought... Uh, you know, obviously, as like a young child, you never thought he'd uh, have to worry about a terrifying ATV accident. No kidding. You think that makes him like second guess, like his his decision? I mean, I guess there's plenty of opportunity for mayhem and carnage with like you know horses and livestock and stuff. 
Yeah, that's true. Do you think if he told his father about this, can you imagine how fucking smug that guy was? <laughs> yeah, the guy. When, A bicycle with four wheels, you say? When he came back to the Powered by gasoline. When he came back to the farm with his son and uh, and told him the story, his dad probably just stared at him and said, "Living out there, how do you survive?" <laughs> just a fan. <laughs> He's got so charged up, he went off and raised a barn by himself. He was just so happy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, anything else? And, he quick, and then he quickly goes, I'm sure, I'm glad he's okay, though. <laughs> yeah. Anything else from In Touch? Yeah, but I don't really care enough to read it. All right, that sounds good. That's usually what happens with this segment, is that we just get bored with it, and then we move on. <laughs> we, uh, we quickly go off subject, uh... Try and figure out where we started at, and then we're done. So, now, we will move on to our main topic of the day, and if you've been listening, and judging by the ratings, you haven't. No, I'm just joking. Jeez. No, we've been doing well. But, uh, <laughs> that sounds legit. But, if you've been listening, you know that we are talking Game of Thrones until Game of Thrones is over, so this week and next week. Um, we're just doing a scene by scene breakdown of disaster movie. Exactly. <laughs> and then we're going to do an audio drama that just uh, does a scene by scene remake of disaster movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, Mike, we see the battle of, I don't know what the King's Landing, I guess, is what they're going to call it. The Battle of King's Landing. Yeah. Not more like the massacre of uh, King's Landing. <laughs> no kidding. So... We see another side of Daenerys in this episode, and we see it. We see another side of a lot of people in this episode. Honestly, what uh, what did you think overall of the episode? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Were you ambivalent? Oh, I actually missed this one. Oh, you did? No. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, I. Uh... I saw this one. It's okay. I mean, I, I saw it twice. I don't know if you watched it more than one. Yeah, I watched it twice, too. Yeah, Um. so it's like the first time it's like, oh, it's like a lot to take in. But I mean, the second time I, I saw it, I didn't like, I mean, I didn't like it nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Um. I think, again, there's an issue that they just rushed the season too much. I mean, they took like a two-year break almost, and then they just came back for a shortened season. That they're, this is the... If we had had this podcast earlier earlier in the show, um, I, this is my biggest complaint about Game of Thrones. They, they they always complain that the books are you know getting behind, but then they just skip shit that's in the books. They could have like fifteen years of stories, no problem, mm-hmm. if they just stuck to the book. I mean, obviously there's issues with the kids getting older. I mean, that's the biggest problem right there. Um, and then you know, I think the timeline of the books isn't going to be fifteen years when it's all said and done. It might be like five or ten at the most. Right. But it's like. You're just speeding things up. Like, I don't know. What, what did you think about this episode? Well, I now see I have I, I'm coming from a different perspective than a lot of people are, I think. Uh, but I am sort of conflicted on this. I do think they're definitely rushing things, obviously. I mean, they only have six episodes in this season to wrap basically everything up. I it's a quick turn for Daenerys from where she started to where she is now, but I do see some of the seeds of why she did what she did. I have a, a slight defense 
of why she did what she did. But yeah, overall, it's definitely a lot of it feels rushed. It was, I liked it. You know, it wasn't my favorite episode of the show so far. I mean, not, you know, not close to my favorite episode of the show, but I didn't hate it as, uh, as much as a lot of other people did hate it. Um, but I think if you put yourself in Daenerys's shoes, you know, Varys, uh, betrays her, obviously, uh, a lot of her other um, advisors have been killed, like Missandry and uh, the other, the guy in the Pearson Sony. Yeah, exactly. So they're and go- uh, Jorah Mormont as well. So they're gone, and she feels alone, and she feels betrayed by Jon Snow, the the you know, the guy that she's in love with. That's also her nephew, and so she feels alone, and then she's on her dragon in the city, just staring at this castle, this symbol of everything that was taken away from her family, everything that, that she was stripped of. And she says to Jon Snow that people love him and no one loves her, basically. That that she people fear her, but they don't love her. So I think in that moment, the fear is actually hers. That she's afraid, looking at this thing, if I defeat her, which, yeah, I'm pretty sure she was confident she was going to do to defeat Cersei, that eventually someone would just come for her. Because she has no love, and she has no friends or people around her. So I think she did it as a spectacle. She did it as a warning for anyone else that ever thought about coming for her power. I think that's... I don't think it's necessarily... I think it's not so much the Mad Queen theory, necessarily. I think it's more thought out than that. I think it's more... Like, she put more thought into it. I might be reading too much into it, but that's sort of the... That's sort of the impression that I got watching it. Which made it a little bit better for me than a lot of other people, I think, that that felt like this kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, see, I would I would disagree. Um, I I think basically throughout the series, they've see uh, people say that they spoke with George R. R. Martin, and he gave him like a general idea of where the show is going and how it's going to end. Which, if that's the case, I don't know why they would just be so suddenly making Daenerys be obviously like an insane person. Mm-hmm. But in the books, I think he does a better job of showing it because whenever you read the books, and I, I, I honestly get it from the show too. Like whenever I see, she just never makes any good decisions and. She just doesn't trust any of her advisors. I mean, she has good reason for that, but like, she always has like the worst decision. And like, she's like, "Oh, I don't know what to do now that I've uh, you know killed all these slavers, and now everyone uh, you know wants to rebel against me." I mean, she just leaves and goes to a new town. I mean, she's just uh, she's a terrible ruler in the books, right? And in the show too, because she goes from place to place because she never figures out how to rule anything. I mean, that's what she wants to be a good ruler, but clearly it doesn't agree with her because her dragons are. She's basically like. Um, average, like, you know, enlisted type soldier who's been there for a couple of years. You're like, oh, wait, suddenly I can shoot nuclear weapons out of my fist. You know, that's basically all she is. Right. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that point of view that uh, that she has struggled being a ruler. Uh, but, yeah, like, I mean, obviously a lot of people had sympathy for her at the beginning. And then... 
as it went along. But and you can see her cruel streak throughout the entire series. I think. I mean, oh, oh yeah, especially they were really pushing it last season with the Tarleys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when her brother when her brother gets that golden crown or whatever they call it when they when they destroy his head. You almost you almost said golden shower, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, here he is, zigzag, zigzag in your That was that was actually in the parody game of moans. I thought it was. But anyway, so when when that happens, I know that she's got re- you know she has plenty of reason to to not like him and and you know be fine seeing him dead. But she's so cold in that in that scene watching that horrifying thing. So yeah, she's definitely been cold throughout the entire series. Yeah, and she's quick to, you know, deal death out or she to have other people, you know, deal it out. I mean, I don't know. I just I never felt that she's I think they do a better job of showing how she's a poor leader in the books because she she like literally is like, you know, running from city to city. And then she hops on a dragon's back and flies away. And that's when you pretty much last see her. In the- yeah. And I mean, how many how many terrible rulers of the United States have done the same thing? Just, you know, when their hop terms have just back. drops on, hop on a dragon and leave. <laughs> Fuck this. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've seen it all in our history books, so it definitely... No, one thing I love about this, and you, you pointed it out, and I don't know that it really occurred to me until you pointed it out, but once you did, it was like one of those magic eye puzzles. Once you pointed it out, I couldn't unsee it. There are lots of parallels to to like the War of the Roses and, uh, and things like that in here, um, you know, with the Starks being the Yorks and the... Lannisters being the Lancasters and you know obviously the names even sound the same but there's a lot of parallels here and and this in this scene there's some parallels as well in in this episode but I guess we can start at the beginning uh at the beginning I'm trying to think exactly how it begins they what is the I can't think of the The beginning is when um they he calls out Varys, Varys. Oh yeah, that's um, right. For uh, you know, and actually, I, I read something about this. I didn't notice this myself, but someone made a good point. Um, he's talking to that little girl at the beginning about you know Daenerys and whether or not she's eating. Mm-hmm. And he says something to her. It's like really kind of weird. He's like, he's like, oh well, no matter you know. He's like, yo, she's like, oh, they're watching me. He's like, oh, just keep trying. You know, the greater the uh, risk, the greater the reward. So some people like speculate that he was like trying to poison Daenerys with the food. Yeah. So she was obviously grieving over. Um, my wife uh, told me she gets upset every time I say this character's name because we never get it right. Masande, Masande, I think. Okay, Masande. Sorry, yeah, Alex. Now that she's dead, and we'll never see her fucking name again. I got it right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she's you know obviously grieving. So some people speculate Varys was trying to kill that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but then so you know obviously he's. Executed, which see, I, I really, I feel that a lot of these characters deserve much better deaths, and that's definitely an issue in this episode. Yes, because uh, the way Cersei and Jamie are killed is just dumb. I agree. That's one of my and biggest he, complaints. And it goes back to me all the way back to the last season when Littlefinger, who's like this mastermind character throughout the entire series, like everything that's happening is all due to his machinations of him or some third thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, I mean, it's all, I mean, he's just like, he's killed off screen. It's like, why would you kill him? They might as well have killed Cersei and Jamie off screen too, because it's like, oh, well, a wall's falling on us. You know, I mean, these are like great characters, especially Cersei is like one of the best villains ever on like a TV series. I mean, just like, like, yeah, 
the walls falling down. I mean, I think she deserves a she deserves a better ending than that for sure. I agree, absolutely. Like, yeah, like I said, that's one of my biggest complaints about this episode. Yeah, and then the show too, I think, uh, has some great villains that have been you know on the show for quite some time. I mean, uh, we had Cersei Lannister, and then we also had the the Night King, you know, for a few seasons. Mm-hmm. And so they don't even bring them to the end. Of the, they're like, yeah, we're done with you. I mean, I, so they suddenly have this new villain, Daenerys, and it's it's just not nearly as impactful if she's really only been the villain for one or two episodes, if that, you know? Yep, I agree. And I mean, it's really like, I mean, it's really like in the previews, they show like, uh, you know, Daenerys and all the Unsullied in the city and the Dothraki. And it's like, I guess they could kill Daenerys, but then how are, what are they going to do about all the rest of them? I mean, the Dothraki and, you know, the um, Unsullied are like, you know, at her command. I mean, I, I don't think you could just sweep them off the rug. They're like, oh, well, she's dead. All right. You, you, you got us. Right. Yeah, so they that scene where uh, Varys gets killed, uh, like you said, I mean, you know, probably c- could have deserved a better a better death scene. But I did think it was it was one of the more effective cinematography scenes in the episode with the dragon just kind of appearing behind her, like from the darkness. I thought that was kind of cool. It was like a creepy uh, visual. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so Varys gets killed and then they have their little meeting where uh, Tyrion basically says, you know, if they ring the bells and open the gates, that means they're surrendering. So please don't kill all the civilians in that case. And she seems to agree to that. And then uh, Jamie just gets captured. He's going to, so like we speculated in the last episode, is he going to kill Cersei? Is he going to be with her? Obviously he was going to be with her. I think maybe he saw that she was going to lose, that it was the end. Yeah, and, and he, he wanted, saw it right in the wall and just wanted closure and he just felt he should go out when, you know, when he came in with her, he might as well go out. Right. So, so B gets captured and uh, Tyrion makes a deal to to get him free so that he can go to Cersei and he tries to get her to she tells him to to take her you know out to the to the shore and there'll be a dinghy waiting there and they can escape and go someplace to live yeah we should point out too that uh he was like on like his last strike with Daenerys was like he told Varys I think so if he screws up again, she's going to kill him, she says. So he basically says, well, I'm going to die for this, but, you know, I, I can't let them kill my brother. Because, you know, they always have had, like, even, you know, I mean, there's been moments where they haven't had a great relationship, but, you know, there's always, like, that lasting bond between the two. That was probably the best scene, too, when Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage is a fucking treasure in the, in this in this show. When when they're writing his character correctly, he he absolutely nails it every single time but his his little like mini monologue to Jamie when he's saying when he said that uh if it wasn't for him he wouldn't have survived his childhood and you really feel the depth of emotion between the two of them and what you know the good side of Jamie that was there that that helped his his you know brother through this when he when he was a kid and that's that's one of the most emotionally effective scenes i think in the episode 
But then they go, so then he, he sets them free, and then the battle basically starts a- after this. And yeah, and it's not really much of a battle. Oh, no, not at all. And it's funny because in the last episode, one of the dragons gets killed by... Yeah, look, I put it on last, the last episode. Why doesn't she just fry the uh, fleet, you know, with the uh, dragon she's on? Mm-hmm. What does she do with the very first fucking thing in this... Uh, this- yeah, destroys the entire fleet that seemed so invincible in the last episode. Yeah, just it, with no effort at all. It wasn't even, there was no trying. I mean, it, yep. it wasn't even. A, it, it would have been better, I think, had the dragon not, her, the other dragon not been killed in the previous episode. And then you could kill it in this episode. You know, you could at least make it look like a struggle there, you know, it's hard for her to to keep dodging, you know, these uh, these arrows and everything. Um, you have a feeling that the producer in charge of monitoring the uh, special effects budget was like, yeah, we got to kill this dragon. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably it. We're, we're out of money, guys. We can't. We we're can't out of dragon it. money. Yeah, you want to lose Theon or do you want to have a dragon for five more seconds? Right, exactly. Sorry, Theon. But so, yeah, she totally torches the fleet. And then comes up behind the the ones guarding the wall, kills, fries all them. You know, like, I mean, it's like you were talking about, like, firebombing Dresden or something like that. She absolutely exactly. clears the way for everyone yeah, again, to come in. And again, it's a question of why didn't she do the exact same thing with the Battle of Winterfell, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, she could, I mean, I know there was visibility issues, but so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like we said, you know, send send the Dothraki into to absolute pitch black to die or at least try to do something. Like you said in that episode, at least light the way. Right. Lucy light the way. Yeah. So they they march into the city. She lands her dragon on top of the building and they wait, you know, and they wait and they wait. And then finally they drop their swords. They ring the bell. And she stares for a little bit and then says, ah, fuck it, and starts killing everyone. Yes, every single person. Just absolutely tears through the the entire little town. And I can't remember what they... I, I always forget what they call it. The King's Landing? Yeah, I know it's King's Landing, but they call the little town in front of it something else. I don't know. Something Keep or something like that. The Red Keep? Yeah. It's, I think it's a building in in King's Landing. Okay, so anyway, they you know they tor- she's torching through all of it. One of the things that I kind of like is that we were on the ground for most of it, so we see a lot of the the devastation. We see a lot of the actual personal loss. You know, it's so funny to me because it's like she comes to rule these people, and she's like, "Oh, you know, it's easier. It's just murdering all of them." Yeah, she's like obviously makes the decision to rule by terror or. Very likely she's just insane because she's a Targaryen. Yeah. So she she does that. And then the soldiers, when she does that, they, they take the cue to start, you know, killing. So they start killing people and start raping people. We don't obviously see any of it, but it's pretty clear, you know, they're grabbing at the women and, and, and stuff like that. And that's sort of what they're they're going after. And Jon Snow is the only one that's kind of keeping his his moral compass in this carnage 
that's around. Yeah, and this is, of course, uh, Tyrion begs her not to do this. And basically, Varys also said, yeah, you probably don't want to go in and kill everybody in the city. You know, again, mm-hmm. she was advised not to do this, but she knows better. Yeah. So then we we cut to uh, Arya and the Hound. And they come all the way there. <laughs> they come all the way to King's Landing for him to turn around and look at her and say, hey, you know, I've lived my whole life trying to get revenge, and there's only one thing that happens when you live a life of vengeance. You're going to die. So, you know, why don't you leave? We came all the way here, and I could have said this at any point during the ride, but I'm going to say it right here when you're in the heart of the city and you have the longest journey out of this fucking nightmare. Uh, so that's kind of funny. Is uh, the last time they traveled together, it uh, didn't end well when they went to um, they went to the was it the twin the twin towers. I can't not the twin towers. Oh, speaking of nine eleven, yeah, the the twins. Uh, you know the um, where the phrase uh, held the red wedding. Yep, they both showed up there in the golf. Yeah, so she decides that she's not going to live a life of vengeance and turns around and starts to leave, and then we get to see her with all the the people and that's you know that's kind of it seems to me that the theme of this episode is dying together or you know being together she, you know aria is trying to get that little girl and her mom out of the city and you know denarius comes down and does the fire thing and the next time we see them they're like welded together, like burnt together, which is a heart wrenching, you know, sight to see. And then it's obviously a visual reference to the atomic bombs. Yep. And or then, something like Dresden. Yeah. And then obviously, obviously Jamie and Cersei die together. Uh, the hound and his brother die together. There's just a whole bunch of people dying together in this episode. And I think that's somewhat of the theme. It doesn't, I understand it, but it doesn't it doesn't fully work for me. Especially like you said, the way the way Cersei and Jamie die together is just stupid in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was I mean it's, I, I understand why I mean, create another episode just to have them like die in like a you know, um, majestic type of way because I mean they're both great characters who had, you know uh well Cersei basically didn't have any character development whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, went like all the way from like villain to not so uh, bad guy. After, yeah, exactly. But then he went to go fuck his sister again. So there's that, <laughs> right? What's kind of messed up is that saying that his his experience with Brienne of Tarth was so bad. He's like, nah, I know what I want. <laughs> I need some more of my sister. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Well, she was a virgin, so I, like, you know. like he was trying. Like he was trying to, you know, get out of it. He's like, oh, it was just, you know. I'm sure other women are even better than my own sister. Because yeah, no, I was wrong. <laughs> she knows what I like. Oh God. Oh uh, yeah, it's also sort of creepy. The come into the world together, come into each other, and then come and then go out of the world together. It's ugh, it's so creepy. Their last child too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and when she's. Yeah, that was- just, I, I, I would be very shocked if George R. R. Martin had the exact same death for the two characters. Oh, I agree. I don't think that's going to happen like that in the books either. But when, when she's like, "Oh, I want my baby to live" and all this stuff, I mean, I felt no sympathy for her. Like, I, I thought what Daenerys was doing obviously was a mistake and dumb. But at the same time, 
you know, when she's trying to, when they're trying to get our sympathy, when she's making that statement, my thought was, well, you know, you kind of brought this on yourself because you should have just realized she has this dragon. You're fucked. Uh, unfortunately, you're just going to have to surrender. Yeah, but to be fair, the last time they saw the dragons, it took them two seconds to kill one of them. That is true. And then, uh, and then she forgot to that her dragon could shoot fire. So they're like, oh, well, shit, we just got to shoot it and it'll die immediately. Yeah. Oh, so... Uh, so anyway, they, uh, so I'm trying to think what happens next. So the hound encounters and, uh, his brother. Yeah. Uh, I Gregor. Can't, yeah, Gregor, yeah. The mountain. Who who looks like Jason Voorhees when you take his mask off. Yeah, he kind of does. And is, operates the same way because he can get stabbed in the eye through the brain and be fine. Yeah, he's okay. But which kind of makes me think. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to spoil no, your part. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, they they basically fight and then they get both. I never understand how it works. How both people simultaneously fall at the same time. Yeah. How does that work? Like unless you jump together, that doesn't make any. sense. Yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, but so they both fall into fire, you know. And it's like, but I mean, would that even kill the mountain though? He might still be walking around out there, as far as I know. Yeah, seriously. I mean, he he was stabbed with the. Stabbed through the head, stabbed through the stomach, stabbed in the neck, and was totally fine. I don't know exactly why fire would would destroy him. I get or even like a fall from that height. Yeah, I get the symbolism that uh, you know he's terrified of fire, and so he kills his brother and himself in the fire that he's so afraid of. The thing that you know destroyed their relationship in the first place, basically. Um, so I get the symbolism of that. But at the same time, it it was it was bloody and everything. But I, I don't know that it was necessarily as epic of a death. Yeah, as I felt that required. that fight was just really kind of underwhelming. Like it wasn't like oh man, and I, like I'm, like I mean, eh, if I ever think about that fight again, I'm not gonna remember it as like one of the great. I mean, it wasn't anything on the level of like the mountain versus uh you know the uh, the red uh, viper or anything like that. Right. Exactly. There's a lot going on in the episode, which again is another argument to maybe stretch it out a couple more episodes for the season. Yeah, because you could have had you could have had the hound and the mountain, you know, fighting to the death as the major set piece climax of its own episode. And again, if they follow the books, that actually is probably going to take place differently. Like it probably is going to be like a more formal duel between mm-hmm. the two of them. If you know what, you know, looks like it's going to happen in the book. So it is definitely more, you know, dramatic than just like, Hey, there's my brother. We're fighting to death. Oh, and we both jumped off at the same time and died. <laughs> right. We decided we're both going to jump off this castle at the same time. Yeah. Like, like were you... they like, Oh man, I was going to jump and that would have killed you somehow. Like what? what? What does that make sense? <laughs> like you said, that was probably, uh, that was probably just a, a bait and switch by the mountain, because he's like, "Well, I know I'm going to survive this fall in this fire, so right. <laughs> you're done." Wouldn't it be great if at the end of the uh, ep- the next episode he's sitting on the Iron Throne with like the remainder of the uh, White Walkers are just like risen back to death? Right. I think Quyburn is dead, actually. Which I, who cares? I mean, didn't the mountain kill him? I don't even remember how he died. Uh, Cersei th- told him to kill the to kill Quyburn. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, but so then Cersei flees. Jamie finds her. Uh, well, okay. Um, first, yeah, he fights. He, he just randomly kind of runs into Euron uh, Greyjoy. Yes, 
and they fight and the, another underwhelming sort of it's it's scene. worse than the mountain i mean just, first of all jamie should be able to just kick the guy's ass because he's a pirate and pirates aren't known for being excellent sword fighters exactly i mean he doesn't obviously but in the book the books you're on is actually like a lot uh more like powerful seeming like he seems like a good fighter but the, this guy i don't even understand how this guy's menacing at all like at no time does this character like, oh wow, watch out! It's your on Greyjoy. He's just he's he just he's just kind of there, you know. Yep. Yeah, like he, it's like, oh, okay, Euron's there, and now he's not. Oh, he's he's the leader of like five thousand like pirates. That's weird. He doesn't seem especially you know capable of anything. Yeah, exactly. He seems like a little weasel, honestly. Yeah, and that's not how he is in the books at all. He's like kind of like almost an evil type character. Yeah, I'm going to start reading these books because they sound really interesting. I like, I like, I, they're really good on audiobook, actually. Okay, I'll check that out for sure. Uh, I think we have Audible, so I will, I will definitely check them out. But anyway, so Cersei leaves. Oh, yeah, they, so they fight. He stabs him twice in the sides and basically says, Well, I killed you. And, and, uh, Jamie kills him. And then goes and finds Cersei just, you know, randomly. They just randomly happen to find each other. And he takes her to where he thinks they'll be able to get away. And obviously, since Carnage is going on everywhere, every exit has been, you know, caved in, blocked up with stones. He knows they're not going to get out. So then he just goes to her, says that, you know, we're all that matter. Basically, he tries to comfort her when he knows that they're going to die right there. And they end up dying and that's that's basically it, I think, right? That's like, well, Arya, Arya, you know, sees the the other two burned, like we said, and then there's just a horse out of nowhere that she climbs on and rides out of the uh, the city, and that is the end of the episode. It's a horse, deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, the the like you said, the first time I watched it there was more of an emotional impact to me because of all the carnage and seeing the people on the ground. The second time I watched it, when I knew what to expect, was the the time I was able to examine it more for this review, kind of like really pay attention to plot beats and things like that. The The cinematography is fantastic. The, the technical aspects of actually making, I almost said making a movie, because these these basically feel like like little movies, but the the technical aspects of making this TV show are are on point. They're they have a fantastic crew, and the cinematography was great. the The way everything was filmed was great. the The way the action was shot was good. There's not you know like a bunch of unsteady cam and and tons of cross cutting or anything. They they do smart cross cuts. They know how to they know how to film action. All the technical aspects were great, but. The char- the writing, the character motivations, the plot points, things like that were just, it's just rushed and it's just off. It's not quite, it's not satisfying from a story point of view. Like you said, there's, you know, I mean, Cersei and, and Jamie dying because of a secondary action. Because, you know, it's... And it just ignores like the prophecy and all that shit they had, you know, for like seasons that it- they forgot about. Exactly. Like, yeah, Daenerys causes it, you know, like, uh, because of what she's doing with, uh, with the dragon up there, but... Yeah, what what yeah. I thought was 
weird was Daenerys multiple times was flying directly towards Cersei, and she could see her, but she mm-hmm. didn't fire on her at that point. Yeah, I kept saying, like when she's when she was staring at the at the castle and everything, I kept saying, okay, why burn everyone? Just fly to the building where she's standing at the window and just burn that part of the building. Just go and kill her. And then you're done. Yeah, and she was was also, if you recall, she was warned that they were letting the people into the city so it would be mostly innocents in there by, like, Tyrion, like, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. So So she was fully aware that she was just killing innocents for the most part. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, obviously, she has turned full evil. Like, Like you said, they, instead of this being a, you know, like, two season or one, or even one season arc for her character. It's been like a two episode arc for her character. So it feels really abrupt to turn this bad this quickly. Um, But yeah, that's, uh, that is the episode. Yeah. Honestly, I think a lot of it too is like people, Daenerys is a character that a lot of people like, and I just don't understand why they like her. I mean, she's got like badass dragons, but other than that, I mean, like she's not a great leader. She's not a fighter. She's not especially wise or clever. Ever. Mm-hmm. I just under, understand the fascination with the character, but I mean, so to me, someone who is not a huge fan of the character anyways and has read the books, I mean, it, it makes sense that that's where she would end up, but just not this quickly. It's very weird. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I have a, I mean, I, I, I could, I could already say, even if the next episode's fantastic, there, it just, this is, the whole series is ending on a bad note. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, yeah, it's just, it's too rushed. It's too, it's too much too quickly. Like the character, carefully strung out characters and plots, and you know, you know, tiny things that you notice that come up later are just—they're just like either not going to happen or they're just going to blow right by the screen. It's just ridiculous. And I wonder, like, like you've pointed out a couple times, I wonder if they've just run out of money. I mean, this has got to make a lot of money for HBO, so I would think. I don't think that's it. I I bet the creators want to do something else now, though. Yeah, well, they're supposed to be doing that Knights of the Old Republic uh, Star Wars thing. Yeah, I don't think they're the, the parts that are beyond the books are not. I mean, if he, the earlier seasons are way better than the later seasons, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, I mean, if that's any indication of how good they are, you know, original screenplays, I mean, not that I'd see a Star Wars movie anyway, but I mean, it doesn't speak very well about, you know, the quality of their work, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have, because a lot of people have wanted to see, a lot of hardcore Star Wars fans have wanted to see the Knights of the Old Republic for a while. I'm not one of them, because even though I like maybe a third of the Star Wars films, I, I've i never read any of the books. I've never seen any of the TV shows. I've never, I've never delved into any of the extended universe or, or whatever they, expanded universe, I think they call it. I've never delved into any of that. So I don't, and I've, I've never really played the video games. So I don't know what Knights of the Old Republic is or what it, what it entails necessarily. I mean, from from context clues, I assume it means Jedi Knights from a long time ago before the before the 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 uh, uh, Skywalker I, 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 stuff. I they have video games on Xbox. I played the first, and I I don't know if there's any more than the first two. I enjoy the games, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's like a like even like you know thousands, if not you know tens. Of, I don't think it's ten thousand years before the. Like original trilogy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like it's like a ancient tale. 
But yeah, a lot of people are, a lot of hardcore Star Wars fans are really looking forward to it. And I think a lot of them, at least from what I've seen online, a lot of them are tempering their expectations based on this, you know, the last few episodes of Game of Thrones that they're, they're underwhelmed with. So I feel I, that, uh, I feel that uh, Star Wars fans who are into it so deep that they care about the Knights of the Old Republic have to temper a lot of expectations in general. No kidding. They have to temper expectations of getting girlfriends. Oh, so we before we go for the night, let us have some predictions. Let's do some predictions of what we think is going to happen in the final episode. Mike, what what do you think the major events of the final episode will be? And who do you think is going to be on the Iron Throne? Well, I think Daenerys is going to be killed. I don't know if it's going to be Jon or Arya who kills her, though, but I think it's going to be Jon. Okay. Baron Throne, but I would like to think he's wise enough to put somebody who's smarter than him on there. So I'm thinking he'll put Tyrion. He'll abdicate the throne to Tyrion. Final final answer. And Davos will be the hand of the king. Interesting. So that's sort of uh, that was sort of Stephen King's prediction is that Tyrion would be on the throne. How did, how did he get to that? Uh, he just said he didn't actually come up with any reasoning. He just on Twitter he just said that he thought that Tyrion would would be the one on the throne at the end. Well, you're, you're saying Stephen King cut to the chase on something? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's... Uh, I don't bore you with the details or anything. <laughs> but I... So I think everyone... Like, I, I know a lot of people are going to want to see Jon Snow on the throne. I think there are, there's a healthy contingent that want to see uh, Tyrion on the throne, too. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be Daenerys. I think that they'll end up killing Daenerys. I think, I think it's possible that Tyrion is the one that kills Daenerys. That through some sort of like, I think John and and Tyrion will will join forces to try to stop her. Obviously, but I feel like Tyrion is going to be the one to get her, especially considering how sh- you know shocked and appalled he was by everything that she was doing in that final episode. I wouldn't be shocked if she orders like Grey Worm to like imprison him, especially since he let, I mean, I don't know if she even knows that Jamie's gone. I guess he's not in the jail, right? Right. So she'll probably, I mean, my guess is she'll probably have him almost about to be Dracarid and then uh, Ario or John will kill her and stop her. But I think John would be able to stop the dragon because I, I don't know if he can ride Drogon. I mean, he rode the other mm-hmm. Drogo, I think. Yeah, Ivan Drago. The only good sweet out there, and he's a Russian. Exactly. But yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think those predictions are probably... I think the way you predicted is probably how it's going to go. And I think John was probably going to be the one. And it'll be some big emotional thing where, you know, he loves her, but he's got to kill her for the good of everybody. Uh, there was a lot of talk about watching the first season. And in the first season, um, John has like a long talk with Jane. Amy about like what it was like to kill the king because you know the king went insane and had to be killed and also in the first season john has a, a scene with Tyrion where he's like basically like Tyrion's telling him you know the right way to live life you want to sharpen your mind with books you know you know Tyrion's just a pretty bright guy in general I and mean, he's obviously a master strategic you know thinker um at the battle of the blackwater and all that stuff but john's not really a bad leader either i just don't think his character really is you know that would be great for the character i don't think yeah, I think that John is probably just going to retire. John doesn't seem like he really enjoys, you know, battling or leading people into battle. I think the happy ending for him is just going to be 
to, you know, retire. Yeah, though, then again, uh, it is called A Song of Ice and Fire, so he is a product of Lyanna Stark and uh, Rhaegar Targaryen, which is Ice and Fire, so the entire thing could just be a tale about how Jon becomes the uh, Yep, that is definitely true. I think it's going to be one of the, those two, obviously. Uh, so we will see what happens in the final episode. So anyway, uh, that is our episode for tonight. And we will see you next week. As always, you can find us on MySpace. We want you to be in our top... We're on the computer. We want you to be in our top eight. <laughs> what were you saying? We're on the computer. Yeah, we are on the computer. Look for us anywhere that you can find stuff on the computer. Massive late fee and retro late fee. All <laughs> the places. They just realize that we're telling people to listen to something they already know how to get. Yeah, exactly. What? Well, no, we want we want them to interact with us on Twitter. We want them to like tweet at us, "Hey, loved the episode. Why don't you uh, do this or, you know, go fuck yourself or something like that." Yeah. Well, so that do makes that. Sense, I guess. Hashtag We're not hard go to fuck find. yourselves. Hashtag go fuck yourself. There you go. Uh, so yeah, and tell a friend, tell fr- tell many friends about the shows. And I don't know, go to Patreon and give us a dollar if you want to. So we Hashtag will... fuck Sweden. Exactly. So we will see you next week. Have a good night. Bye. See you next time.